had the ball. Hawkes on the right wing in three-point range against Sabonis. Now he digs toward the baseline, retreats for the dribble, under and up, and he scores two more. This kid plays like a seven-year veteran in this league. Jaime Hawkes from UCLA with 25 points. For some reason, a decent amount of Miami Heat fans in the building last night. Those were there. You noticed it. Much like I said with Dave yesterday, I said, you know, when the Kings won in L.A. against the Clippers, and it was really cool to hear the light the beam chants, and it was as loud as we've ever heard. There was one point in the game, and Chris, you were there. I mean, again, I'm at headsets on. I'm listening to G-Man, and you're kind of you get kind of lost in the game, and I'm thinking, I don't know what time in the game it was, but I'm like, why are they saying light the beam? And it wasn't like at the end. It was maybe in the second or third quarter. And then I took, you know, the one ear off. And I go, oh, my gosh, they're saying let's go heat. How many people are here for Miami? You could hear them very early on. Because yeah. It's like, Whoa. Yeah. It was noticeable. I mean, it definitely was noticeable. And usually there's there's pockets of, of fans from the other team. Uh, but this was – I don't remember that. I th- this reminds me a little bit of – I want to say it was a year or two ago, Chris, where the Kings hosted the Bulls, and the Bulls weren't—they were, you know, a marginal team—and there was just a ton of Bulls fans in the building. I'm like, where did, like, there's always front runner teams or teams that make sense right now, like the Lakers or Warriors, always have a lot of fans at the game. You might have fans of the champs in the building, maybe. You know, Denver doesn't seem to have that same kind of, love, but Boston brings some fans. The Knicks will have some fans. It's only the East Coast. I think it's just because it's the one game. I guess, but. Um, you know, Orlando comes in to tr- like again. You'll see 30, 50, but last night there were hundreds. Oh yeah, yeah, and they were loud, and they were really a lot noticeable. Of Wade jerseys. Yes, yeah. Um, which is a funny Miami. T- I mean, I, again, I'm not to uh, slight Miami, but this isn't the Heatles that had LeBron and the championship team. But they were in the finals last year, so they had every chance to to win the title. And uh, Miami comes in and uh, surprises the Kings. I say maybe maybe surprise. Uh, a lot of fans going to the game thinking this would be an easier night. But Jaime Hawkes, uh, Kevin Love, Bam Adebayo, Caleb Martin, really that group got it done. I thought they were coached beautifully last night as well. Let's get some reaction from the Kings on that. We played that Jaime Hawkes highlight. Um, what did Keegan Murray think of the way the rookie played? Uh, come, I mean, I remember playing him in Summer League, and uh, he's. I feel like he's added a lot to his game um, since then, so – Whatever they're doing down there in Miami has helped him a lot, and you can tell. So um, he's had a post-up game. Uh, he's gotten more physical, um, been able to score on, on all three levels. So um, I feel like he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, and again, he's in the right spot. A lot of people love that. I remember when the mock drafts were coming out, and a lot of people had him going there. I thought, ooh, that would be a good fit for him. Didn't know if he would last that long. He did. Again, long, long careers left for a lot of these teams, but – I have found over the years when you have a – we're back to this culture word, and the Kings are trying to build it, and they, they're starting to, and they have been the last couple of years here. But when you've got a system, an identifiable, identifiable style, consistency with your coach, and you kind of lock in on that, um, that's how when you were the San Antonio Spurs in their prime time when you go, man, where do they find these players? The Miami Heat that has that many players on their roster that have been undrafted, but they've made – successful they can spot them identify them and I really think they wring everything out of the rag as possible on their players like they get everything there's they're pretty legendary for their work ethic 
they literally have to weigh themselves. Like they're constantly um, in conditioning, working hard. There's there's the heat way, and you're not going to outwork them. You might beat them. People do. Kings could have last night, but just in general, their preparation, their work ethic, that's what they're about. And Hawkins, I think, is a good fit for them. De'Aaron Fox also uh, noticed the play of Jaime Hawkins. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been a matchup problem for a lot of people. Um, obviously, being a guy that stayed in college for some years, uh, people aren't expecting him to do this or do that, but um, he just has game that works anywhere he goes and plays, regardless of what team he plays for. Um, he knows how to use his body. He gets you, gets you going one way, spin move. If you're not six eight, like you're probably not blocking a shot. So um, he just, he just, he's not super shifty, but he just understands how to play. He understands how to use his body, and he made big shots. He made some tough shots for him. And um, I mean, his one on one game, I think, is a lot better than I feel like people give him credit for. And that was a big part of uh, of what happened today. Him and Bam, uh, what they did one on one really hurt us. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is, you know, we're in such a time of the current makeup of the NBA where if you watch games on a night-to-night basis, you either have teams that really feature iso ball, like I think the the Mavericks are are very good at that. When you've got two great individual one-on-one players with Luka and Kyrie, why not do that? But you've got other teams like the Kings that uh, spread the floor, work on spacing, and then kind of create those things to get those one-on-one matchups where Miami – does more of that too but their safety net is they can get into post-up situations and their one-on-one might not be the typical hey I'm going to drive by you and kind of square you up it's I'm going to back you down turn you know the post moves the physical nature that they played with I don't want to say Chris it's old school but the fact that they had I would say consistently in the game between Hawkes, Love and Bam Adebayo three post-up guys and you don't and Jimmy Butler can too he wasn't even playing you don't see a lot of teams do that anymore. No. And, like, thinking about Jaime Hawkins, I think right when he got drafted, you and me both are like, oh, that might be the perfect spot for it him. It is. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And that's the other part about the way the league works. Um, let's say he did go higher, and he's on Detroit, Charlotte, Portland. I mean, teams that are struggling this year that maybe would ask him to, like, hey, you're starting day one. Go get the 28 points you got last night. But, like, expect it. This, he's in a system, he's in a flow. He, he's been starting, he's been really good, but he might get 14 and have the same kind of impact. Last night, he was asked to get more numbers than they needed him, and he was able to do it. It's such a different spot for him to be in Miami than it would be on these these other like lottery-type teams. Yeah, too bad for the Kings. I know, I know. Kings didn't have an opportunity to get him. Um, and others, you know, the the way Miami Heat uh, approached, they, I guess the Kings could have got that they had before, DeLon Wright. I mean, you look at, they added him on the... Uh, after he was waived and he started last night, but that's an experienced veteran point guard and uh, Miami, you know, after the Kings faced him the first time about a month ago, Miami had lost seven in a row going into that game and they beat the Kings. Now they were playing well going into this game, but they were down some players. They won again. I don't know how far they'll go in the East. I still feel like there are better teams than them. But they are clearly one of those teams that you just go, I don't want to bet against them. They're almost like the Michigan State of mm-hmm. the NBA. Yeah. Of like, sure, you can bet against them, but you're going to look stupid when they prove you wrong again. Yeah. You're like, I had them out in the second round. Why are they in the final four again? I knew they would get there. Well, did you? Then why didn't you bet on them? Pick them in the brackets. Um, so you said when the Kings were coming back, 
that you saw that Spolstra was really hot? Like, what did you see there? What was going on? Oh, man. <laughs> he was just like... Are players at the refs or what? Uh, oh, Everything. at the players. Uh-huh. I was just like... It, I don't know what he was saying, but just because I was pretty far away. But it's like one of those things of, I told you this in the last time out. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Like type of thing. So very noticeable. Though. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, again, got his guys to respond. And, you know, as far as Mike Brown, what were his thoughts on on the way his squad uh, just couldn't get it done um, in the game last night? They've won seven of nine. Uh, they went to Milwaukee without their basically the same guys and beat Milwaukee by 20. Um, so for us, uh, I just didn't think um, uh, defensively in, until until the last quarter, uh, we didn't get it done. Uh, one of the things that uh, we probably could, I probably could have done to help them more was probably go to zone. We played zone in the in the fourth quarter, um, um, and you know our guys were aggressive in the zone. Uh, they did a good job talking, and then they went to man at the right time. So uh, maybe I could have helped them more by doing that. Um, but I just thought that uh, um, they outworked us. Um, throughout most of the game and um ended up getting a win some comments there from mike brown yeah the outworked parts i mean again you could see when the kings ramped it up to the sense of urgency level like they when they were down 20 it was either going to be one of those laughable blowout home losses or they were going to dig down and and you know give their best fight they did that i like that i like that that was in them but you have, I mean, it's the wrong team to be down with a season well coached team. Now, look, they almost did it. They almost did it. But Miami, back to some of the stuff I said they could go to and they counted on and they got results from their post ups, their mismatches, their execution. Um, they got enough of what they wanted. The Kings early on turned the ball over too much. I still think the Kings had winning numbers offensively. Their, their point total was lower than normal, but they shot effectively. You know, I think they got to their 30 assists. We we saw enough guys in double figures. Uh, they By the end, they started hitting threes. Their free throws weren't awful. Wasn't great either. There was a couple sequences when you felt like, okay, good. They're going to the line. They can really help here. And they missed two, I remember, in one sequence. So they didn't get to the line either as much as Miami. That was maybe the other maybe um, divider in the game. I think the Heat got there more than twice to the Kings. But I think that goes to how physically they played, how hard they played, and, you know, Sometimes you put more pressure on the officials when you really play that aggressively. I didn't think the Kings were that timid. It's just maybe Miami, they were more. They were more aggressive. They, that's really more in in their makeup, in their DNA, and they played to that. So uh, Miami ends up with a season sweep of the Kings. We've got some more numbers and more reaction from Keegan, from De'Aaron Fox, from Mike Brown. That's all coming up. But when we come back, it's Firewings time. It's three for madness time. Three questions, three answers including what the heck is with this team? That's a question we've got. That and more straight ahead here on Sacktown Sports. Three questions, three answers. It's three for madness on the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Here's question one. All right, three for madness time, three questions, three answers. You can weigh in if you'd like as well on our... uh, text line or our youtube chat from our chat mob out there we appreciate all of you at checking if you're on the youtube today by the way hit that thumbs up button 
Makes everybody feel good. Helps us with the algorithms. And uh, we appreciate it. You're there. It just takes one little click. It's at the bottom thumbs up. Uh, let's get that number elevated. We're low today. We got a lot of people watching. We appreciate that. You're up early. You're participating. Just hit that thumbs up button. Do us a favor, if you would. But it's time for three for badness. Three questions. Three answers brought to you by our friends at Firewings. And like I said, you guys could participate as well on how you feel about uh, these questions. So, Chris, what do we got here on our three for madness brought to you by Firewings? What the heck is it with this team? <laughs> I apologize for the language. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Par- well, pardon my French. Um, I don't know. How about that for an answer? Question two. No. <laughs> um, I, I'll ask you, Chris. You, you've seen the majority of the games. What do you think? Me, like, I think there is a percentage of bad luck mm-hmm. of something like you play it perfectly and things don't go your way and it happens a couple of times and it's just like, ugh, this is over. This is done. What are we doing? And it feels like just a little bit of that, I'm trying to think of the word I'd like to use, just adversity mm-hmm. just like sticks with this team and then they can't get themselves out of it. Yeah, so let me let me. I'm try- There's only been like I could think of one or two games where it's just like, oh, they weren't good, but they clawed their way out of it and they like took a win. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of so like in their neighborhood. So here here's the teams in the East and the West. I'm gonna, I'm going to say within one win and one loss of the Kings, Phoenix, New Orleans, Dallas. Philadelphia, and maybe we could put, yeah, and Miami. And maybe even the Pacers. So if I give you that group, like, what do you think of those teams? I think that they're pretty matched up well with the Kings. What's weird is. So why are we thinking differently about exactly. the Kings? Is my, I guess my, I mean. I, I mean, we see every game. That's it. We're not seeing those games that those other teams throw away. Yeah, until yesterday. So you, I do the prep for, you know, I'm thinking about this game. Okay, let me dive in a little bit on the heat. And then, and I know G-Man and even Mike Brown mentioned it. So you're during the broadcast, you're like, oh, wow. I didn't realize Miami played Milwaukee here recently. And almost the same situation. They had like three guys out and they beat the Bucks by 25. It kind of went. Oh, well, all right. Kings better be ready tonight. And, it, you know, that's not – it's – that's. It. I don't think that they played poorly. The Kings? Yeah, yeah I'm, th- I'm with They you. weren't playing their best. No, and that's what I said. Like, I, if the Kings are going to lose games going out, they need to be defeated. I think they were defeated, but I think they gave them some of it, too. Like, they gave them some of that juice where a little bit better for, for the third quarter was awful. Like, if the Kings had a better third, maybe they win. But If they – were only beaten by 10 in that third quarter. Yeah, and it's just, that's the thing. Like, they let go of the rope to get it up to 20, and it felt like, okay, the Heat are outplaying you, but do you have to, can you be down 9 going into the fourth, not 18 and then ultimately get to 20? But I guess that's my question. I think that's the way to think about this team. We're, we're too close, and we look at every game, and we could say, and we, we need to. I mean, this is what we do. This is the team we follow. But are the Kings any different? Like, if you right now would say, Philly, Miami, Indiana, Sacramento, Phoenix, New Orleans, Dallas. If you think none of those teams can win the championship, then you don't think the Kings can. And I don't know that I think the Kings can win the championship. And I don't even know if that's our conversation. But they're that's kind of who they are. They're in that group of teams where some nights you're like, yeah, Phoenix, I don't know. They're a problem. I wouldn't want to play them. 
I bet some teams look at Sacramento and go, you know what? They would be really tough in a playoff series. Other teams are like, yeah, give me the Kings. I think we like, can beat them. We watch a we'll, we'll see a game like the Clippers. Like, man, if they play like that, they could win every single game. Absolutely. And then you see last night. I think too is Miami shorthanded isn't the Blazers shorthanded. Agreed. Or I mean, it, Charlotte it, shorthanded. Yeah, or even yes, yeah, a lesser team like. And again, I want to point like when they were really in in crunch time or in meaningful minutes, you're like, I'm looking out there going, Jimmy Butler would have been out there likely, but you know maybe Rozier's on the bench, maybe they if Hero's not hot, maybe he's not like the the guys they had at the end when it really mattered are guys that can play. Like it wasn't man, they got beat by three kind of NBA guys and two G leaguers. No, they got beat by a, that guys could play, but why? That's that's the thing, and it's it's. I don't think the Kings have the answer. I think there were more elements of where you go, okay, that that the Kings weren't awful. They have some things that could beat some teams. They couldn't beat Miami last night, and they're kind of in that other group of, of teams that are good. Also, it feels Not like great. there hasn't been that run run of mm-hmm. just like, oh, man, the Kings. Like, it felt like if they would have done that last night. It's it like, felt like okay. they were on it. That, yeah. I agree. I felt like last night was a, like a three-game win streak's nice. If you make it four and the teams they would have defeated in there, like you got through San Antonio – but the road win at Denver, the road win in L.A., and to back it up with a win against Miami is like, all right, here's four in a row. I almost felt like now that this rest of this week, like they didn't have to win because those are tough matchups. But now you've, you've kind of changed the numbers here, and they're going to need to get a win on one of these two. All right, let's get to question two. Question two. Is this the most frustrating Kings team in Sacramento history? If no, name one more frustrating. <laughs> I think, and I've said this before, I don't. We can never, ever, ever put ourselves emotionally into the same way we feel about the current team. You just can't. So let's just, for example, if I gave you a year, Chris, without any context, and if I came up right now and said, "Oh no, it was the 2011-2012," and I remember how frustrating that year was, I, I can't place myself into a February 27th game when they lost to Miami when they were under man and go. I was so mad after that night. Like, you're just – you can't do it the same way. So, this year, though, it has been frustrating. Um, I think paired with expectations, paired with what we saw last year. I think also last year, again, was the first time. Everything was kind of enjoyable. And when you had a night like this, it's like, ah, that stinks. But this year's been fun. Now it's – one, their record is basically the same as a year ago. The rest of the West is better. Uh, they are in jeopardy of maybe healthy. Being, yeah, a play-in game. Uh, we know it's at risk. But to me, where I argue on the expectations part, Chris, is to me, I'm really less concerned with the regular season numbers. The expectation for me now is if they get to the postseason, trying to get further. So they could be the two seed. They could be a play-in team. If they got farther, they passed expectations to me. I, I don't think it matters if they win – or conversely, let's say they get hot and finish this year and win 53 games. So that's a five-game improvement. That's awesome. I don't know what seed they would be, and they lost in the first round. I'd be like, I, I, I yeah. Or let's say they're a seven seed. They get to play in. They played the Nuggets, and it's like one of those things. Is just like, oh, they matched up with them. Well, yeah. let's see in the playoffs, and then they beat them. That would be a huge success. That's progress. So I don't think we're there yet to the expectation part for me. Now, for you guys out there, it may be different. So like I, that's why when people go well expectations are raised, I don't I don't know that we ever really heard or heard any like when I, I my pushback would be what are your regular season expectations for the team, like is that a number, 
Like, was that 55 wins? Technically, they could still get there. I don't think they will. But the West has been better. They've navigated that okay. They've, to me, they've got to be as polished as possible come playoff time. I think they're getting closer to all of that, but it's not there. And I think it honestly will ultimately come up to who they have to play. I think if they get the right matchup, I think they can get out of the first round. If they don't, I think they won't, and I think it's that simple. Um, they just got to get themselves there, likely put themselves in the best position. We'll talk a little bit later about the impact of the loss, but I, I can't name another team. I mean, I guess, I mean, if you're thinking frustrating, uh, when you get to the conference finals and don't win, I mean, that was, that was a great year and enjoyable, but that's maybe the lowest point in Sacramento Kings history was losing game seven on your home floor. Of the Western Conference Finals. Oh, I was going to say which time. Yeah. Um, yeah, last year was painful, like that end result. But then I think we're all in that spot. Well, it's okay. It's a fun year. This is just the start. So I don't know if logically people said, well, they were the three seed. They're going to be the two or the one and, you know, probably win 55 to 60 games. Well, they're not going to do that. But again, if I could tell you today that they get to the second round, that would be improvement. We don't know if that's going to happen yet or not. All right, let's get to third and final question. Question three. Honestly, no lying. No lying. Would it surprise you if the Kings won the next two? No, and I think what we all are guilty of, myself included, is I think we try to predetermine their record too much. Look, we ask for predictions on the show. We kind of do it anyway, like, hey, this upcoming four-game road trip, if they could go three and one, and then if they do, we're happy. If they don't, like, uh, Never count the money on the table. Yeah. I mean, so most people, most, before the game yesterday, kind of assumed that the Kings would beat Miami because they heard, wow, they know they didn't have Jimmy Butler, uh, Jovic, and Bryant before the day. Then when it became official that Rozier and Hero were out, it's like, the Kings should win today. That's where you already frame it, so should. And then once they don't, you're automatically disappointed. Now, for whatever reason... You're looking at Denver and Minnesota. They have better records than the Kings. You're thinking, well, I, I don't know. They'll probably lose these two games. Games haven't even been played. You have beaten them both in their building. Uh, you've beaten Denver three times. Granted, you haven't played them with their full personnel. You obviously have played them well. Um, but I think we're pre- we, we're all too guilty of predetermining the outcome before the games are even played. And it, then it automatically leads you to a spot of either surprise or disappointment. So if you go, yeah, they're going to lose the next two when they win one, hey, that was a pleasant surprise. I, I'm going to try to not jump ahead, but that's what we do. I mean, I, I don't know how we avoid it. We talk about these games. We try to make our predictions. We try to read based on what we've seen and our knowledge that we've had. I mean, Denver is the defending champs. They've got the front runner for the MVP. They are one of the toughest teams to beat at home. We said it earlier, one of the most surprising wins to me, of the year was probably because of the scenario I just created. The Kings were going into Denver. Traditionally, at the All-Star break, on getaway day, the teams, most teams don't do well on the road. They're thinking about other things. The Kings were playing the second night of a back-to-back. I went into that game framing it like, I, I don't think they're going to beat Denver. I'm going to be honest. And then they won, and it was a pleasant, pleasant surprise. I don't know what's going to happen with this team. I don't. It's... I don't even know that that's frustrating because I think 
right now what we're seeing, what I'll say is uh, of what I like of what I've seen, I think we've seen a better version of De'Aaron Fox now for about four to five games. Sabonis is on a, a complete heater with triple doubles. And really, if you look at it, I mean, I think we're Keegan Murray, Barnes, and Herder. That the five starting five has been in their best stretch as I can remember for a while for this team. So that to me is an area of encouragement. It's not the full resolution of where they want to get to, but the more that happens, the more they consistently play like they have been playing. I think the results would be okay. So no, I would not be shocked at all. Honestly, I wouldn't. Because the Kings are good. They're not great. They're good. And good teams can go do and go to Denver and win. And good teams can go into Minnesota and win. They can. They really can. We'll just have to wait and see. But we'll make our predictions, I promise, before the games even happen. All right, when we come back, what did the loss do to the Kings? There wasn't a lot of activity in the NBA standings. We'll check in there and what to look ahead to as we do a little standings update. That when we come back here on Sacktown Sports. Dave Show with Jason Ross. The games come at you fast. Life comes at you fast. Sports and things change quickly. Ask for some help on the text line, 916-339-1140. Thoughts on the game. Thoughts on some of our questions from 3 for Madness. Some of you as well in our YouTube chat. Um, kind of the common one. We got a lot here on the text line. Let me go over a couple of these. Kings are winning in spite of Mike Brown's mediocre coaching. Wow, the reigning coach of the year taking some shots. Last night's biggest difference, they got outcoached. There's another one on the coaching part. I will say this. I think Eric Spolster is a terrific coach. I think Mike Brown's a terrific coach. Uh, my, you know, look, we're critical of the players. We're critical that we can be critical of the coaches too. When you lose, you pick apart everything. Uh, to me, I think the Kings, Mike Brown identified it. He said it maybe went, could have gone to the zone quicker. I also think the Kings could not, did not recognize quick enough what Miami was hunting out. And to me, in that third quarter when the Kings got completely blitzed, Miami had several post-up guys, and they were seeking out Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell, or De'Aaron Fox on really Kevin Love or Jaime Hawkins. And and every once in a while, Bam, there was a switch where Bam kind of got in those post-ups. And they got physical with those guys. And it was either a size problem or just a physical problem where they just, you know, in footwork and just went around guys. And so that's a credit to Miami and their coaching. I think the Kings were a little bit late on that and a little bit late on getting to the zone and a little bit late on playing bigger. I, I thought they didn't get Lyles in enough. Sabonis, so when he got in foul trouble early, I thought it impacted the way he defended. I thought Keegan was in foul trouble. Now, the coach left him out there. I thought Keegan was tremendous. And to me, you know, look, Fox and Sabonis are going to be there. They, those guys are just too good. They put up numbers even on games. You're like, man, De'Aaron wasn't as good or Sabonis wasn't as good. By the end, the, their numbers are good. But I thought those guys were fine last night. Keegan was terrific. And the more they could get like kind of that two-way version of Keegan, you can see where this team can get to. Because Keegan is really can become pretty lethal. He, he's an efficient scorer. He's such a low maintenance player as far as 
like I think there's an effort and a, and a focus and a desire to be great, which, look, all these guys are world class, are the best of the best, and sometimes the separation is the smallest of things in games, in little details, and if that's a... Sometimes, look, it's like you try to find what that little nuance is. And sometimes to me, I get the the way the Kings look to me is this. And I hope I'm explaining this the right way. And whether you guys agree or not, I'd love to, to get the feedback on it. I know they want to win. I know it. At times, there's a look that, at times, like, does it hurt them enough when they lose. And I don't know if I'm explaining this the right way. And maybe it, maybe a loss in Miami doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But Chris, there's certain people that are cut in that way that like a, a loss to Miami on a two on a Monday in February does do damage to them. And maybe that's not healthy, but when you've got 82, you kind of want to be even, but like, I don't know if I'm explaining this the right way, but I feel like that desire to just never any desire to be the great, greatest team they possibly can. Again, I think they want to be good. I think they love each other. I think they're playing for all the right reasons. There's, the, It's it's a small fraction, I feel like, is maybe the thing that's missing from them. Yeah, no, you're right, because Doug used to say all the time, I like winning. I yeah. hate losing. Yeah. And that's where you don't feel like that with the the Kings right now. Yeah. They it, want to win, but it doesn't seem like they hate losing. And you were here the day that, and again, now this may be revisionist history and there was time and, and the wound is never fully healed. But one of the most powerful things I feel like I've ever been a part of on radio was when we had C web on when he was going on to the hall of fame. And I was here, I was part of the interview, but it really was Doug and Chris talking. You could tell they both still hurt to the core that they couldn't win a championship not really for Chris not for Doug not for their like for Sacramento and like they were almost getting to tears about how much 20 years later how much it rips them apart you can tell that they think about it every day they do and so part of why you know working here with Doug was so much fun too he was like yeah I I want a coach I knew he did but he's like I've got unfinished but he wants to win for that team and for that 20 years ago, as much as it would be for everybody now and for maybe some people that are not still with us or who are not Kings fans as much or have been on the ride the whole time, like, I don't know. It's it's so small, and I'm not saying that it's completely absent from this group, but and, – and I don't think everybody in the NBA has this too. I'm not saying like, hey, uh, that's why Minnesota's in first. That That's not it. It's it's And maybe it can show up later – in the playoffs, um, but there, there's there's something to that where sometimes they let things get out of hand, like last night before that's like, all right, now let's go. Now we're desperate because that part shows, and it's it's so finite. I don't even know if I'm explaining it properly. It feels like they don't have a plan B. Like yeah. if this isn't like if their shooting's off, then they're off, yeah. and hopefully the other team doesn't take advantage. Right. And, and that's that's a little bit of a similarity. I feel like what I would say with like the 49ers, like when it's in the 49ers' way, good luck beating them. Like if they if they're running and they get ahead, they don't turn the ball. You're not going to beat them. But if you disrupt them, if you disrupt them, they get behind. They've had trouble. Now where they showed some differences, it was in the postseason. Like that comeback against Green Bay, that comeback against Detroit. Okay, now they've checked a different box here, 
And yeah, we know what ultimately happened in the Super Bowl. They had every chance to win that game, and that that game's going to gut them and live with them forever. And I don't. I'm not saying this Miami loss has to live with them, but you would just hope that some of these other losses earlier this year were those experiences that they went through, whether they needed to or not. You kind of you kind of get what you need. That's another phrase that Doug would say. So, what did you need out of that Charlotte loss and those Portland losses? Are are opportunities now? The next time you play lesser teams, you don't want to drop those games and so um they got they got to still keep grinding keep going this this final chapter of this team certainly isn't written and wasn't written last night but it was another one of those games that you felt like going in the kings could win and at the end they did not all right let's get a little more reaction from from some of those involved uh well actually before we do that we were talking about how we were going to look at the impact on the standings of this so last night, and we'll probably reference this, we'll do this a little bit later too on what to watch. To me, I'm going to be looking at the 10 in the West. And I think we've, we've said this for a while. I think the 10 in the West that are there now are going to be the 10 in the West that are going to be there at the end. So apologies to Houston and to Utah. In Memphis and Portland and San Antonio, you guys just aren't going to make it. But I think this is the 10. The shuffling around will continue to happen. So of the 10 teams in the West last night, the only team that played was the Sacramento Kings. So those are the kind of nights where you have every opportunity to gain a half game on everybody. Instead, by losing, they drop the half game. And so the casualty of that for the Kings, they were in fifth starting the night by percentage points. They dropped to a tie for seventh with Dallas. Technically, the Kings would have the seventh seed because uh, Dallas they have the tiebreaker of Dallas, but that's how quickly it can change. You look at the loss column. Phoenix, 24 losses. The Pelicans, 24 losses. The Kings, 24 losses. And Dallas 24, the reason the Kings and Dallas are at 7 and 8 is because they have one less win than Phoenix. So they could have crept a little bit closer to the Clippers, Nuggets, Thunder, and Timberwolves, that top four tier. Instead, they drop back into that tier that they're on. They kind of left the door open again for teams like the Lakers and the Warriors behind them. So this constant shuffling is going to happen here all the way down to the finish. And with 25 games to go, I'm telling you, this is going to fly by. By the end of what? By the end of next week, yeah, we'll be under 20 games. So it's here. The sprint to the finish. You want to be as tight and finely tuned as possible. And last night was not the case, right? And so when you look back on a season where you're in this standings race, I know we can all list probably at minimum five games you feel like, oh, woulda, shoulda, coulda, at minimum for the Kings. Now, probably every team can do that if we went down the roster of games. But we are worried about the Kings. And last night kind of goes in that group. I don't think it's the same as the others. But you felt like with some of the advantages you had, you could have taken care of business. The one disadvantage they had is they were playing the second night of a back-to-back. But Miami capitalized. Miami deserved the win. And Miami got it done with a strong finish, 121-110. to Still to come, we, of course, will have celebrity birthdays at the end of the show. A lot more to get to on this game including when we come back, kind of that discussion point we were talking about. This team, the frustration, why we get so frustrated with them. We'll try to pin that down. We'll do that more when we return here on Sacktown Sports at SacktownSports.com.
has very good sources and he, he just kind of tells it as it is and gets to the point. Jason Ross. He has a lot of pretty smart things to, to say. He's good at what he does. On Sacktown Sports. All right, back here on Sacktown Sports. Talked a lot about this Kings and Miami Heat game. We want to continue to do that with you. 916-339-1140, Those of you on our YouTube chat, we thank you for being there this morning. Uh, we gave out that number because we need to give something away. And what we're going to do is, it's the Jiffy Lube drive of the game time. Did you listen to the game last night? Did you listen to the great G-man Gary Gerald? And also the prehab and post host. If you listen to that guy. Hmm. Um, but the post, drive- uh, game guy was kind of sad last night. Post, he was just down. Stauber was down. But dialed right now, 1-800-920-1140. 1-800-920-1140. If you know what the Jiffy Lube drive of the game was, if you do and you're the first one to identify it correctly, you will win a $100 gift card from our friends from Jiffy Lube. You can use that in any which way you'd want. So it's that simple. You had to listen. It pays to listen and win. So thank you to Jiffy Lube for setting up this contest all year long, and now they're trying to pay you back just by listening to Kings basketball, something you hopefully are doing already. Um, yes, there's been frustration. Last night would be a frustrating night, but they've got a, a pretty good season going and a season that still has hopefully the best yet to come as uh, we'll see where they go from after that loss last night to the Miami Heat. So, again, if you know what the Jiffy Lube drive of the game is, dial up right now, 1-800-920-1140, and identify that. You will be our winner. So we are giving that away right now, and there were plenty of highlights in the game last night. That comeback was fun. I mean, the energy was palpable in the arena. Um, Listen to just some of the, the volume of noise here, part of this comeback You'll hear it in the G-man's voice and just how it sounded in the arena. Here's Fox in the paint. Pull up 13-footer. Add two to his tally. Make this a two-possession game. It's a 17-3 run by Sacramento. We're just past the midpoint of this quarter. 106-100 is the score. So look, they cut it down to two possessions just past the midway point. More energy from the crowd. The defense has gotten the Kings back in it. Here's a poke away by Fox. It's grabbed by Trey Lyles. He gives it up to De'Aaron. Throws it ahead. Herter underneath the basket. Pivots. Reverses. Scores. Kevin Herter makes it a four-point game on the feed from Fox. Five minutes, one second to go. It's 108-104. Timeout. Eric Spolstra and Miami. Here's Fox with a 13-footer off the dribble. Add two more to his tally. Fourth quarter, Fox is at work. He's got 25 points. He also has eight rebounds and six assists. Nine of his 25 have come in the fourth quarter. Back to a four-point game and now inside four minutes to go. Yeah, all those exciting plays. Big comeback for the Kings, but it wasn't enough. Miami executed late to get the win and defeat Sacramento and send those in the building home unhappy without a beam to guide them home. All right, so those were all great plays. None of those, though, we're a Jiffy Lube drive of the game. Let's see who's first up. Kevin, you have every opportunity because you were first to call in to win our Jiffy Lube $100 gift card if you can identify the Jiffy Lube drive of the game. Do you know what it was? I do. It was Fox to Malik Monk for a crazy dunk. Fox to Malik Monk for a crazy dunk. There's a nice 
Uh, rhyme to that. Let's see, Kevin, if you are right. Rebound poked loose. Fox has it. He's run into the front court, looks inside. Malik Monk on the catch from Fox. He had his body contorted, and I didn't know if he was going to be able to complete it, but the Kings have their biggest lead on top, 39-34. Wow, what a spectacular lead pass that was in a full-blown transition, and what a finish by Malik Monk. There you go, Kevin. You did get it right. Congratulations. We appreciate you. Uh, listening, so Kevin, be, uh, we're going to get you uh, to hang on here. We'll get all your information. What is your thought? Why, why are uh, why has this season been so up and down for the Kings? Just like everyone's saying, they keep losing to teams that they should beat, and that's about the only thing I find wrong with the season so far. All right. So, what does that make you think going forward? Do you think this team can be a playoff team, a play-in team, advance out of round one? What What is your outlook at the rest of the way? I think that they're going to be a playoff team and avoid the play-in, and I definitely think that they're going to make the playoffs one way or the other and not just be out. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Kevin, thank you for listening. Congratulations. Hang on. We will get your information as you are a winner here of our Jiffy Lube drive of the game. Yeah, I mean, again, I think we're going to have some of these numbers coming up on some of the stuff we've been talking about um, on kind of indicators on when it goes better for the Kings, when it doesn't. Last night is is does get lumped in to that all too familiar kind of narrative that's gone on for the Sacramento Kings. I don't know if it's as foolproof as everybody says, but it has happened. I mean, you can't ignore it. Sacramento has played games against teams that have not had their full complements of players, whether it's one or multiples. And last night, Miami was missing multiple people, and you would hope that Sacramento um, would recognize that. Now, I don't think and correct me if I'm wrong, if you guys are out there and you feel differently, I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm right on this, but I'd love your perspective on it. Um, did you get any a feeling, and, and you could just weigh in on the text line if you'd like or on our YouTube, did you guys as those, if you went to the game, listened to the game or watched the game, feel like it was anything as um, the Kings taking Miami lightly? I didn't feel that way last night. I think I've seen that, though. I think the Kings have been guilty of that, though, this year against some of these teams that uh, maybe were lesser of a record than Miami and had less people available and just maybe the Kings kind of went through the motions and then by the end got burned. I know that was the fact. I mean, I I think it was so – you could just feel it in the building. Which game was that earlier this year? Charlotte. Charlotte was down a few people. They weren't playing very well. And I just felt like the Kings were played with the mentality like, yeah, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're still losing. We're going to win. We're going to win. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Oh, no, we just lost. I didn't feel that last night, but maybe you guys did. I'd be curious if you if you did at all. I, I didn't sense that feeling. I felt like it was the Kings played well, not great. Miami was in an all-out just full-force effort and attempt and intensity from the get-go, which is how they play. They just play so hard. And the Kings kind of matched that late when they got in the sense of desperation. And that is also kind of going back to where I'm trying to trying to find the quantifiable thing that I'm searching for here is they're, to me where the Kings are unfortunately at their best is kind of when they're desperate. I don't like that, but I like that trait that they had the ability to fight back. There was fight in the team. But I don't feel like this team has ever realized that 
what you try to do in those types of games is put even the Miami Heat. I mean, this is a good team. The coach won't give up the rope. He he'll he'll keep coaching Spolster will until he can get whatever he can out of his team. But that's the kind of team you try to establish a lead and and build a lead and try to bury them. Easier said than done. I, I'm not trying to take that as like, oh, the Kings just missed out an opportunity. But when the Kings had that run at the end of the first quarter and early second and built a 10-point lead, that's when the Kings needed to, they needed to be the ones that got up 20. What would Miami have looked like then? But by the end of the half, the Kings were down two or three. So it was a game. You already knew at halftime, all right, we're, we're, this is going to be a battle. You could just tell all the way through. And then I actually thought it might not be because Miami put up a 20-point lead. And it's like, wow, this is this is going to be a game where they're going to get run out of the gym. They didn't because they came back, but at the end uh, lost by 11. Some of you are saying um, it was a lack of leadership for the Kings. Kings were out-hustled and out-coached. Um, it's almost like teams missing their starters come out and play harder, and then the Kings are lazy. Okay. If they pushed a team like Denver to seven games or something and came up short, I could be talked into they are right there. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's I say this. I think the gap between the top teams, between a lot of the teams, to be honest, in the NBA isn't isn't enough isn't large, but it's enough to show you a difference. I mean. We're not talking about the teams like Charlotte on down in the east and maybe Memphis down in the in the west. We, besides the 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 easy saying like anybody can beat anybody, that's 100% true. But if you if the Kings played or any team played a playoff series against some of those bottom teams in the series, the better teams are going to win that, right? I mean barring any kind of injury. When you're talking about the playoff teams, the teams that have talent that are going to coach and have you scouted for that 7 game series, I mean, the margin of difference, I, I, I'll go back to last year. You guys all saw it. I mean, the Warriors won four games to three. When you watched and ended that series, did you could you convince me or convince yourself that the Warriors were clearly the better team? Not to me. And vice versa, had the Kings won game seven on their home floor and won four to three, I would have been like, oh, the Kings were just the better team all series. They, they won four to three. And there were some great games, close battles. I didn't. The Warriors in the last and deciding game had the best player on the floor, and he went for 50. He had a special game. He's capable. He's shown he can do it, and Curry was amazing. There isn't a large margin of difference between these teams. So can the Kings fill in some of these areas that have shown to be weaknesses? We're going to discuss more of what those are when we return. Also, more reaction from Mike Brown, from Keegan Murray, from De'Aaron Fox, those talking about the game and the loss. We'll do that when we come back here on Sackdown Sports. 